0: Welcome back to Unstable and Unbridled. I'm Liz. And I'm Rachel. We're back, as always.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Well, not as always for a year, but now we're back for good. (laughs) Yeah, you can't get rid of us this time. Yeah, sorry. You all tried, but it's too late.
0: Yeah, so let's see. It is February, getting towards the end of February already. I feel like time is going way too fast. Oh, do Um, you? Do you feel that way in Florida? (laughs) <laughs> I do. I'm sorry. Sorry, time's really slow up there in Minnesota. <laughs> it never moves, I think. Oh, yeah, that's sad. But anyway, <laughs> let's see. What have we done? We went to Rocking Horse, I think, since our last show. Actually, Ocala mm-hmm. and Rocking Horse, I think, since our last show. Yeah. The horses were all really good. They've all been really good. Armani moved up to Modified and then he moved up to Prelim. He's a big boy.
1: Uh, and he was an absolute superstar don't be too humble he was amazing (laughs) and he wrote amazing
0: lots of videos and pictures of him online and the babies have been very good franklin got a 25 at rocking horse last weekend on the flat and all his little hard work is coming together so hopefully we can keep the scores there we'll see And he's so cute. And he's very cute. Maura won another show, so I don't even feel like I have to say that. Everyone just knows Maura's gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know she's put in. She's put in her time. She's paid her dues. She can yes. go crazy with the blues. I think she deserves it, and she works hard, and it's a lot of fun for her. So, yeah. I think she's too hard on herself. Like, I don't I just don't think I I should be winning. I'm like, well, why not? <laughs> like you work hard. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, who else should yeah. be then?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, what's new in Minny? Well, that's it's good to stay humble, but it's I think she really deserves it. She rides every single day. She takes lessons really regularly, pretty much every day in Florida and yeah, down here every day. Yeah. She works her little tiny tiny butt off. Yeah. What's new up in Minnie? Nothing. It's cold. We had One day where it was like 45 degrees, and I saw a (laughs) meme that was like, I never thought seasonal depression was real until you have that first 50 degree day, and it feels like you popped a molly, (laughs) which is pretty much what it felt like.
0: (laughs) Not that I would know. (laughs) This is the best. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. what's a molly like? Do you know? uh, Who's molly? Is that your sister? (laughs) I don't know. I've never heard of her, but... (laughs)
1: um we had one beautiful day so that was fun and then yesterday we had a blizzard it was not quite the snow apocalypse they predicted but we got probably four or five inches of snow which is kind of nice i i honestly would prefer it to be snowy because then at least it's soft for the horses and the ice is mostly covered up so it's fine yeah I I was saying to you, though, recently that I have not noticed any horses with February friskies so far this year, so I
0: think... Knock on wood. Yeah,
1: right? <laughs> they're either coming, and we're going to have March Madness, or their pastures are just so big and glorious at Copeland Farms that they don't have to be frisky.
0: I do think that probably has a lot to do with it, that they can move a little bit more during the day, and so they're not getting quite as bored, hopefully. Yeah,
1: Definitely. So anyways, that's the updates.
0: Yeah, well, let's see. So we, there has been a lot of discussion about a very controversial video that has been circulating the internet, which I'm sure some of you have seen about Mark Todd using a tree branch in a controversial way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we kind of wanted to, discuss different types of training so you know positive enforcement reinforcement negative all of the different types and we kind of want to dive into that seeing it seems to be a hot topic right now yeah and I think to me it's
1: not really like about Mark Todd like I'm not I've never seen him teach I've never seen him ride his own horses other than at like Kentucky It's not really about him to me. It's just about the conversation that I think is important and valuable that, you know, what what are we trying to accomplish when we're teaching a horse something? And are there maybe better or more productive ways to do that? And if there's not, then, you know, we have maybe some other conversations to have, like, should the horse be even (laughs) doing that?
0: (laughs) Right, right. If the training isn't working, then it could be for a variety of many different reasons.
1: Yeah. And I don't really, I'm not going to like stand on one hill or the other. I mean, I personally don't think I've ever trained my horse in that way. And I don't think I'd be happy if someone tried to train my horse in that way. But I also will say that I think every horseman... Has at some point lost their temper with a horse and used less than savory methods to try to accomplish their goals. And if you're saying you haven't, then you either haven't been riding long enough or you're lying. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're lying. And,
1: yeah, and I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying well, you're that's a of... to it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is that worse. That could be. <laughs> right. That is even worse. Like, I'm not saying that's right or that's good. I think it's a conversation worth having, though
0: yeah definitely
1: so a lot of the kind of training styles go back to like psychology and psych 101 yep exactly this is psych 101 class so buckle in this syllabus day does not exist this is class. hold
0: please hold your questions till the end
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so just kind of the to start things off is the most basic, which is classical conditioning. So that's going to be like your Pavlov's dog situation. So you want to try to provoke an involuntary response by using a neutral stimulus. So Pavlov was some guy in the 1900s. I don't even know who taught his dogs to salivate whenever they heard this dinner bell. So he would ring a bell, give them a treat, and they would salivate. And then he eventually was able to associate whenever he rang the bell, they just started salivating. So pretty basic stuff.
0: Yeah, I think too, like you can see some of these examples like every day when you're riding. Um, One of the examples that we came up with was uh, horses do this a lot but people will teach their horses to pee in their stalls so if a horse goes and pees in the fresh shavings in their stall every time you can continue to put the fresh shavings in there and they'll pee another one i've seen is people will whistle like if your horse goes into their stall and they start to pee then you whistle every time they pee you whistle eventually you can whistle and they pee (laughs) it's amazing how that works (laughs) Yeah, and it's pretty simple to
1: do this, actually, um, if you can catch the behavior you want. So, you know, if you're able, if you're the same person bringing your horse in every single day and they pee every single day, it's it's pretty simple to do this. It does not take very long to condition an animal to do a certain response if you can catch it. That's the tricky part, especially for those of us who bored and maybe aren't with our horses for majority of the time
0: yeah definitely so that's
1: kind of a pro i think one of the cons is that oftentimes this is associated with some undesirable
0: behaviors right like they anticipate things Mm -hmm.
1: yeah so we came up with a couple examples like every time a certain gate latch is open they hear it they associate it with going out to grass so they all go crazy and gallop at you towards the gate when they hear the noise
0: Right, or like feeding time, they hear the tractor start or the wheelbarrow come down the aisle and then they're all whinnying and excited about their feed.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: um,
1: which, you know, it that sometimes just can't be controlled. Like Again, especially if you're bored, you aren't going to be able to control feeding time. So your horse probably will learn that when the tractor starts and they're about to get fed, then... You know, they have an undesirable response, but as long as it's not causing, you know, anybody pain or danger, I don't think it's that big of a deal, really.
0: Yeah, maybe the barn
1: owners disagree with me on that (laughs) one,
0: but (laughs) I think well, and I think too, it can become extreme where the horses might get dangerous, but yeah, for sure. The sort of
1: other con with classic conditioning is it can't really be used to train complicated behaviors because you're training them not for a behavior you're just training for a response um so it's pretty limited in that way but it's a good basis to think about the other ways of training um so that's classical conditioning the sort of other main style of training um is going to be falling under a big umbrella called operant conditioning um and the first of those would be negative reinforcement so
0: um this one can be get a little confusing because negative because of the word negative. Yeah. It's not necessarily a bad thing. The negative piece refers to taking away a stimulus when the desired behavior occurs. For example, when we ride, you put your leg on to go forward, your horse goes forward and you take the pressure away. This is the most traditional way of training horses that kind of I feel like I've been taught I still work with my horses in this way in certain aspects. You know, it's kind of a, com- like, I combine this with lots of other ways to train, so.
1: <laughs> I think it's really important to emphasize, like, that the negative piece, like you said, just refers to removing the stimulus, not to anything, quote-unquote, negative. It's not a bad thing. It's just the the removal of that stimulus, and the, and this is... I think how almost everybody who's been taught to ride, especially in the sort of classical way, has been taught. Like, this is for sure what Pony Club teaches, this is what the German classical books teach, Yeah, definitely.
0: And it relies on activating the part of the brain responsible for fight or flight responses. Right, which
1: horses are prey animals, so that's the part of their brain that's sort of most in tune to you know, responding. And that's kind of where their brain goes first. Um, And I think it's important to keep that in mind when you're trying to train your horse that they can be pushed too far towards that fight or flight response, right? We don't want them going around in a constant state of fight or flight. We need to figure out other ways, like you said, to integrate this with our training so that we can use that response when we need to get them to move away from pressure or what have you, but it's best used not on its own. Yeah, definitely. So what are some pros of negative reinforcement?
0: Um, I think, like we've said, it's one of the most commonly used techniques so that there's a, there's a lot of information available about it. Most trainers are familiar with this, so you could, you can get a lot of help with it easier to use while you're on your horse so it's a good technique for riding it works it gets results (laughs) which is very important and it relies on that on the horse's natural response so like they're already going to be using their their fight or flight animal instincts to go away from that pressure so you can kind of use it to your benefit to train them yeah for sure What are some cons?
1: So it requires good timing and a lot of experience to determine when exactly you need to release that pressure. And I think that's sort of like the feel, right? That we're all trying to achieve when we ride. Like that's it. Is that timing and knowing when to release that pressure once the response that you want has occurred. Yeah. Which is really hard. I mean, it's really hard to learn it and it's really hard... I do believe you can teach it or it can be taught. I don't think that I, you know, some people obviously are born with better feel than others, but I do think you can learn it, but it takes a ton of time and a ton of experience.
0: It's hard. Riding is hard. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) True. Um, the other con is it can make some horses, especially if they're already at baseline kind of anxious, it can make them more anxious or even fearful if you push it too far. It's, Again, part of that experience piece of knowing exactly how far you can push a certain horse and when you need to release that pressure or when you can't apply pressure at all. That can be really difficult, too. I think that's a common challenge people face with thoroughbreds is they can sort of be convinced not to apply pressure because they're afraid the horse will react in an unsatisfactory or scary way, and that can make horse training
0: really hard. Yeah. And again, horse training is hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's just hard, but it's fun.
1: (laughs) Have have you ever like had an experience where you felt like you, you sort of missed your window to apply the pressure and it like negatively
0: affected your training? Um, I feel like I, in my experience, this can happen a lot with loading horses into the trailer.
1: Yes, that's a great example.
0: You want to apply pressure for the horses to go forward. You know, so like I like to use a rope halter and there'll be if the horse is like leaning back or putting tension on the rope, you maintain that tension and encourage them to go forward. And as soon as they go forward, you just stay where you are and the pressure is released where a lot of people will like continue to pull like, oh, the horse is going. They're going to like keep pulling the halter and like pulling the horse in. When then all the horse wants to do is like back away from that. So it's like teaching your horse that if they just move forward, the pressure on the halter is going to go away. That's a really good example.
1: And that's one of those things that if you miss the first time or two and your horse isn't very forgiving, you're going to have a really tough time untraining that.
0: Right. And I think horses are smart and I don't think they intentionally, at least most of them, (laughs) try to like learn bad behaviors but I think we can accidentally teach them things that we don't mean to
1: you know Mm -hmm. like
0: when let's say you're riding and if you have a horse that's overbent to the inside and wanting to fall out their left or let's say you're tracking left and they're overbent falling out their right shoulder and you can't steer well a lot of people want to just keep pulling on the left rein and keep adding that pressure and the horses don't turn What I found on green horses is if you can like take and let go, take and let go and use both hands guiding, they actually turn or let's say you're trying to slow them down. They do whatever you're asking them to do after you release that pressure and they go, "Okay, I'll turn this way or I'll turn that way or I'll slow down. (laughs) So it can be really complicated in the timing of it all, too.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I've I mean, I'm fortunate in that one of the horses I got to learn on was very experienced and was very forgiving. And yeah, I mean, there's definitely it still happens every day where you sort of realize you missed your window and you're just like, oops, sorry. (laughs) Um, And so it's it's sort of like an ever it's a constant learning curve to learn about that pressure and releasing it, which is what makes riding fun and interesting, but also what can make it really, really challenging to make progress or to undo training you've done maybe by accident, like you said.
0: Well, and I think it's hard, like, because when we're taught how to ride, we're taught the basics. So like you're taught to pull on the left rein to turn left or to pull on the right rein to turn right or pull on both reins to stop and kick to go. And then all of a sudden you get better at riding and it gets way more complicated than that. Why can't I yeah. pull on the right rein to turn right anymore? Like, there's so many more, right. so many different things that you like, put together in order to do that. You don't, you don't see anyone in the dressage ring just cranking on that left rein to turn down center line, like, yeah, right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that can be just really hard to put into words and to teach other people too. I think that's what makes it difficult as an instructor. And what makes good instructors good is that they can put that feeling into words and can help you identify those moments. Yeah, definitely. Um, So that's negative reinforcement. The next sort of category is positive reinforcement.
0: Yay! (laughs) So...
1: What makes it positive is that unlike negative reinforcement where you're taking away the stimulus or reward, positive reinforcement, you're adding a reward to the stimulus when they do what you want. So a really good example of this is clicker training. You know, I'm excited. I want to try this with Kirby, my two-year-old. I haven't started it yet, but I did use this to teach my dog quite a few tricks.
0: Yeah. This is a really popular training technique for dog training.
1: Yeah. And I think it can be just as easily applied to horses. Um, And, you know, horses typically are highly food motivated, which works well for this. So essentially what it, you know, for a clicker training, you, the horse does whatever you want, you click and give it a treat. Eventually they learn to associate the sound of the clicker with a reward. And that can be a treat, a pet, a certain word, and then they learn that they've performed well when they hear or feel the stimulus by your use of the reward. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really popular technique used with dogs. And I think it's, it's going to be good to um, try to implement that with horses. And I think it's gaining some traction or popularity. Um, well, and
0: I'll be excited to see the progress you make with Kirby. And didn't you do something similar with Magic one time? I did, yes.
1: So, Magic used to be horrendous about injections in his neck. Shifty. He had a neck abscess. Yeah, shifty, <laughs> shifty. classic. <laughs> um, he had a neck abscess after an injection reaction one time. And so, ever since, he was horrible about injections. So, and like, we're talking backing up, rearing, like, st- st- threatening to strike you, like, kind of borderline dangerous. And... So then I started just working with him, and, like, I would literally just rub his jugular, and then if he put his head down or, like, didn't chuck his head in the air, I would say, good boy, and give him a treat. And I just kept practicing and practicing and practicing, and I'll be darned if that horse doesn't stand still now for jugular injections.
0: Yep, now you can (laughs) shove a needle right in there. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um, Well done. So,
1: yeah, it's a... It's, uh, that's the only thing I've done so far with positive reinforcement with my horses. But like <laughs> I said, I'm going to try it with Kirby. I'm going to try clicker training him because I feel comfortable with that, um, from training my dog Chewy using that. So it's going to be fun.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think what's cool about this technique is that it relies on activating the part of the brain that's associated with improved emotion and rewards.
1: Yeah, and that's,
0: we like, it's nice to be nice. Yeah. (laughs) So what are some pros? Some pros are that you can teach a wide variety of behaviors and even tricks. So like, and I feel like you see this a lot more like so far in the horse world with like groundwork or like liberty work. Um, You'll see this Mm -hmm. a lot. It can improve your bond between you and your horse and helps them trust you even more. This also works. <laughs> so that's a good thing. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> what are some what are some
1: cons? Um, I think it can be harder to learn how to do and to learn how to coordinate. Um, and unfortunately, because it's not as popular, there may be less qualified people to help you. If you aren't doing it correctly, uh, it can lead to undesirable behaviors, like you become your
0: horse becoming a treat monster, which yeah. I think you have some notes about. With the treats, with this type of training, you have to be really clear about your boundaries. So, like, if your horse is starting to nose around in your pockets or, like, shoving you for treats, you have to have clear boundaries that that is not acceptable. Never encourage it by ending up, like, giving your horse a treat you know i'll i'll be in the barn talking to clients and let's say their horse is in the cross ties and they're kind of being annoying and nudging at him and usually the response they get is oh he's so cute he just loves me so much and then they give him a handful of <laughs> treats like no pepper doesn't love you i mean he, hopefully pepper does but pepper really just wants treats and pepper just did a very good job of training you to give him treats when right. he's being annoying <laughs> Right. So you have to have boundaries. Everybody just needs boundaries in life and this is a thing we all work on in every aspect of our life forever and ever. <laughs> yep, for sure. And that's,
1: you know, I think one of the major cons is that you you can totally accidentally teach a behavior that you don't want. So it's super important to just be aware of exactly what behaviors you're rewarding and when and like you said, having clear boundaries with your horse that they only get a reward for certain behaviors, not for every little thing. Yeah, definitely. One of the other more difficult things is it's not quite as easy to do under saddle. Um, Obviously, if your horse jumps a jump and you click it, you don't want him to stop dead and (laughs) expect a treat, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like That's not very practical. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there probably are ways to use it under saddle um we just don't know them or maybe even yeah right exactly or maybe even from the ground i'm just not sure what they are so stay tuned i'm going to be practicing with kirby hopefully i can figure it out and if any of our listeners have um insight into this i would love to hear more about it you know i watched some youtube videos on it and and how they were reinforcing um under saddle but it's not it's just not quite as natural i think as negative reinforcement is
0: Yeah, it's a little harder. It's fun, though, too. So that brings us to positive punishment. dun dun. (laughs) done. Which is adding a stimulus to decrease a behavior, usually an undesirable behavior. So, like, if a horse bucks, you whip them, or you kick them, or you smack them. (laughs) (laughs) You do all of the above. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yep. In my opinion, I feel like this only really works to suppress behaviors that are putting a person or a horse in imminent danger. Right. Um, So, you know, if your horse is going to, you know, bite you, then I think it's okay to punish them to, you know, protect yourself. And I think it's super important that when you use positive punishment for whatever reason, presuming that it's a dangerous behavior, it has to be super well executed, really brief, and really clear why you're doing what you're doing.
0: Especially because, the I mean, I, I know with dogs, it's like three seconds within a behavior you have to reward them, like when we're doing the clicker training. Yeah, if, mm-hmm. Three seconds. I, I'm I don't know for sure what it is for horses, but I'm sure it's something similar. So if you know, you'll see a lot, like people will have a refusal. And then they like kind of are getting themselves together. Yeah, you know, let's say five seconds go by, ten seconds go by, and then all of a sudden they're hitting their horse. Well, there's no like correlation between what the horse did and the punishment, and so there's literally no learning going on. Right. And even if the whipping was appropriate in that moment, the horse doesn't understand really what it's for because it was done too late. Yeah, and
1: that's one of the cons I I had listed here was that it can be really confusing because, you know, like I put it, an example, you shouldn't, you know, if your dog poops on the floor, you're not supposed to rub his nose in the poop unless you literally find him pooping because they don't associate that, be- that punishment with that
0: behavior. Like, that's too far gone. I mean... And she doesn't literally mean rub his nose in his poop. <laughs> that would be gross. And you would have to clean it up. <laughs> it's That's like a common
1: thing that they use in dog training to talk about that.
0: The other confusing yeah. thing for the horse
1: is that it kind of depends on the uh, horse knowing the correct behavior. Like if it doesn't know what it's supposed to do, then you're suppressing a behavior. But you haven't really trained your horse what it's supposed to be doing. Right. Like, if it's the horse's very first time jumping and it refuses and then you whip it, but it doesn't know it's supposed to go over the jump, that's not very
0: fair. Right. It doesn't understand. It wants to learn. (laughs) Peppa wants to learn. (laughs) And then it can scare the horse, which will then turn them into the lizard brain mode, and then you can't do anything with them.
1: Yeah. Then you may as well just give up for the day because they're checked out.
0: Um, and it
1: can stick with them for a while it can yeah their memories are are better than you would think especially if they and and not to like project human emotions onto them but if it was an unfair punishment that will stick with them
0: yeah and it doesn't look good
1: yeah that's that's the other major con i think if we can say anything about mark todd like it doesn't look good even if he was Technically using positive punishment correctly, it doesn't look good. People don't like to see it. It's not good PR. Yeah, it's and and there's a whole other conversation to be said about or to be had about should we care what other people think, but that's the reality. It's social media time. Right, it's out there for people to see, and it it kind of reminds me in a way of like the Me Too conversation. It's sort of like well. If you're doing things you're scared people will find out about, perhaps it's time to reconsider your behavior.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe you shouldn't be doing that then. <laughs> yeah, like
1: if you haven't been found out yet, but you're worried it's coming, maybe it's a good time to
0: reflect. Yeah, that's a good good rule. Don't hide in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: and like I said earlier, have... I mean, I think every person who has ridden for any length of time at some point, myself included, has lost their temper and unfairly taken it out on the horse. Yeah. And it's OK to say that you've done it and it's OK to admit that. But I think it's important to say there's better
0: ways and I can do better
1: when you know better. do Right. Better.
0: Right. And we're all hopefully trying to do better each day. And that's all we can do. <laughs> yeah, That's the best we got
1: so the the last thing is negative punishment so negative again withdrawing withdraw stimulus to decrease the behavior um so like a good example of this is you know your, your horse starts kicking the door down at feeding time so the moment he starts to do that you take away his food until he stops
0: what about the patient's patient's poles patient's tree I don't know what patients' poles are. Is that the same as the patient's tree? Yeah. That's
1: another another common negative punishment. Like you basically tie them to a pole or a tree and you take away any attention or you know completely ignore them until they're standing well.
0: Yeah. Have you ever used an old cowboy? No, I haven't, but I remember Heidi's horse Mo went to training somewhere. And Heidi would always go visit her and be like, oh, she was tied to the patience tree. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not going to lie, Mo stands like a a sweet lady. She's a good girl. So it did work for her in that instance. I don't know if it's necessary to do it that way anymore, but
1: Yeah. I I myself have never used it. I'm gonna be honest, magic could have used that probably, but um <laughs> it's Yeah, we too late to start. Right. <laughs> right. I think the, the, the magic risk you'll see magic tied out to the patient's pull at, at Copeland Farms. <laughs> no.
0: Yeah.
1: I think the risk for that it I, I mean I'm, I don't think it's, like, cruel unless you're leaving them out there for prolonged periods of time, of course. But I do think there is risk to that, and it's probably just not the best way to do stuff. Like, what if your horse literally breaks its neck? (laughs)
0: Yeah, seriously, if they just freak out. Yeah.
1: So one of the cons, like, talking about, you know, leaving the horse out there for prolonged periods of time, it's difficult for the horse. They don't necessarily associate the withdrawal of the stimulus with their behavior, especially if the withdrawal of the stimulus is prolonged. Um, Right,
0: they don't really know what's going on. Right. And it can make your horse not trust you or people in general. Yeah, so
1: I think probably... In general, it's probably fair to say punishment maybe is reserved for specific instances but perhaps not the best way that we can train horses. Would you Definitely.
0: agree? Yeah, I absolutely agree. So, let's quit punishing them. <laughs> yeah, we'll try to train them with reinforcement
1: both positive and negative and Yeah. And like I said, I think if they're if you're in imminent danger, there is a place for punishment.
0: Right, and I think it's hard for your average adult amateur that probably isn't as in tune with the horses as a professional, and so they are doing a lot of accidental training. And as a professional, Mm -hmm. you come to us going, okay, this is the one thing I want you to fix. You know, we only have so many options to go to, especially depending on the situation. Like, is this person going to put their horse in a program? Is this person... Do they have realistic or unrealistic expectations like coming to you for a 30 minute lesson saying, boom, I need you to fix this thing that actually takes months to do, you know, and yeah, it it can be hard. So let's just give each other some grace. (laughs) Yes. Good, good
1: philosophy. And I think, too, just having an understanding of how our behavior affects their behavior. I mean, ultimately, they're pretty much just responding to us most of the time when we're on them. Right. And just that awareness is really helpful to, to, like you said, notice those accidental training patterns or times if I'm riding a horse for somebody and, and they, or, you know, I'm trying to explain something to them and, they say, "Well, normally I'll do this when he when Pepper does that." And it's like, "Well, do you realize that's unintentionally training him to do what you've said you don't want him to do?"
0: <laughs> like- right. Well, and it's funny actually, one of the things I see a lot too is people will like smack or kick their horses every time they trip. <laughs> mm. um, <laughs> which <laughs> I've seen a lot, which yeah, okay, if Pepper's tripping a lot, it can get a little annoying, but but then you see horses that trip and jump forward because they're worried that they're going to get hit. And that's yeah. negative behavior. <laughs> right, right.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good example. And there's, like you said, too, the kind of nudging horse, like, give me a treat, give me a treat. And yeah. then the owner totally gives in. I mean, my dog is really good at it, too. He's, it's actually really funny. I Well, to <laughs> me, maybe not to them. But he... um will bark at my husband and his mom like if they're talking to each other he has learned that if he barks at them they will pay atten he'll they'll pay attention to him yeah so what does he do whenever they're talking he barks at him and they promptly pay attention to him yeah oh, <laughs> and he does not do that
0: to me i will say if only i could train people like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe I,
1: like I mean maybe you trainer. could yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a Black Mirror episode about that, but
0: <laughs> Probably. I wish Black Mirror had more
1: episodes. We were just rewatching some and saying that. Like what happened? That was
0: such a good show. Oh, it was pretty intense. It was pretty deep. Yeah. They probably got like very deep at the end because they were giving away all the government secrets. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. <laughs> you like, know how oh, shoot. Uh,
0: how conspiracy oriented I am, so yeah exactly <laughs> um another good thing I think you can do with like your horses just to learn about them is to just go and watch them like go put them in a round pen, put go out in the pasture with them, and just sit there and watch how they interact with the other horses, uh, put them in the arena you know, just spend time with them and observe them. Don't always be asking them to do something when you're with them. Like let them kind of be respectfully themselves when you're with them. You know, it doesn't always have to be, all right, here comes my human. It's work time. Mm -hmm. You want to, you want to be able to build and form a bond with them. And in order to do that, I think you have to let them be them a little bit too.
1: Yeah. That'll give you really good insight into their personality and maybe what methods of training are going to be more or the most effective with them because some horses just respond differently to certain types of training and that's i think and i hope something that we're moving towards is going from like here's the way we do things every horse needs to respond to this to saying every horse is an individual and here's how we can apply pressure in different ways or positively reinforce them in different ways to get the optimal outcome for every horse
0: yeah, definitely. We want to be the best people we can be for our horses. Yeah, because they're just so
1: cute. They are, and they love us. <laughs> yeah, they better <laughs> for the cost.
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Seriously. Ugh, oh, I can't even use that as a saddle sore again. I think I used it recently. It was bet bills.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Well, on that note, should we transition into saddle sores?
0: It's a Cider, cytider, cytider, soar. That'll soar Saddle sore.
1: Saddle sore it up. You got one? All right. I do. I think and this was one that was on my mind and then I forgot about it, but now it's back. Oh, yeah, last time Okay.
0: Unsolicited advice. Oh, yeah. Is a big one for me. Is this like particular to like the barn or just like everything in in life? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, kind of everything in life, but I'll make
1: it specific to the barn. So I think it's great to have a barn community. It's great to have people you can talk to, bounce ideas off of each other. What I do not like is when people just offer their opinion or advice about something that they haven't been asked about.
0: Right. And they just go around saying, oh, your horse is fat. Oh, your horse is skinny. Oh, your horse is ugly.
1: (laughs) Right. I didn't ask you. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Like, not only do I just think it's kind of rude, but also it puts people in a really weird position because, you know, especially like in um, our program, like there are trainers for a reason. They're supposed to be kind of the in-between of, you know, your team, part of your team, that includes your vet, your farrier, your trainer, your body worker, etc. And if you don't trust that team of people to make the best decision for you and your horse, like you need to find another program. And right. it it's undermines the community of the barn if there are people who feel like they need to offer their opinions about things when they haven't been asked, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And I totally agree with that. And I think it can cause like stress for people at the barn, you know, and then you're like, Oh, like I'm worried so-and-so is going to say this, or they're going to, you know, like it can make people not want to come out at certain times. And you just don't want to be that person that that everyone's going, Oh, I hope so-and-so is not at the barn. Don't be that person. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And
1: It's one thing if, you know, we're riding together and I say, hey, does my horse look off? Okay. Comment on every way, in every which way you can. But if I'm just riding around and you're, you know, you go back and say, oh, I think your horse needs his hawks injected. Then it's like, what? Yeah. Like that's (laughs) a very
0: specific piece of advice that you actually know nothing about, but thank you. I'll take it into consideration. (laughs) Right. Or not. So that's my saddle sore. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) Or not. (laughs) Um, what's yours? My saddle sore is when I see people holding the lead rope or their lunge line incorrectly, which this was just like ingrained to me in pony club, which I didn't even go that far in, (laughs) but also (laughs) because I do a lot of groundwork with my horses, I am just like, it's just such a habit for me to fold my lead rope in my hand and not to have it wrapped Mm -hmm. in a ring. And actually it was a couple years ago. One of our clients was holding her lunge line in a circle around her hand and her horse took off and she almost lost two fingers because of it because they got squeezed in there and they were badly bruised for a long time. So it, it can be really dangerous and it's just a saddle sore of mine.
1: That's a good one. And I would piggyback on that. Another pony club ism in that same chapter probably was like, always buy cotton lead ropes so they don't rip the shit out of your hands like (laughs) Polly That's true.
0: (laughs) Yeah, those ones are a little rough. (laughs) Yeah. And I just don't like... I just don't like the look of the the poly lead ropes. I just love a good old cotton lead rope. Same. I'm a simple cotton woman.
1: (laughs) Cotton. (laughs)
0: Cotton. Cotton.
1: All right. Well, I think that's it. We have some exciting interesting pods coming up though we've got a couple guests in mind and we've been working hard on some more informational podcasts like this one so
0: stay tuned really really by we she means herself because she does most of the the research and i add some little bits here and there (laughs) well
1: that's because you're already so knowledgeable
0: oh yeah totally
1: (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, stay tuned and if you haven't rated or reviewed us on Apple Podcasts, please do that because that helps other equestrians like yourselves get connected and it the more listeners we have, the more content we have to offer because people send us valuable information and insights and we love it.
0: Yeah, and we really promise we're going to keep trying to do these podcasts regularly and I mean even today, like I feel like every time we sit down to pod, there's always like one of us is like Well, what are you doing in like three hours from now when we're supposed to be potting? (laughs) We're like, okay, fine, we'll just do it. We'll figure out a way to do it. Like, yeah, we gotta gotta keep ourselves together, keep ourselves committed and and, on. Yeah, hold ourselves accountable for our potting. So, we're gonna try to be accountable, and we hope that you guys will spread the word on our podcast and give us some reviews. I usually crack a beer
1: when I get ready to pod, which I would consider positive reinforcement. (laughs)
0: yeah that's that's good i like that well i'm about to head over to yellow pony and have one myself so all right well on that note we're signing off cheers bye bye